in a what I would consider a very dark place. And somehow I turned on the radio and I heard the Marshall family singing one of Julia's songs. <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere. Isn't it marvelous what God does with good music? Amen. He spreads it around all over the world. And it was about the little lamb. I can't remember the exact song, Julia, but it was a tremendous blessing to me to think that uh, a lot of years ago I was walking down the dormitory at Baptist Bible College and I heard somebody playing a guitar and I knocked on the door, opened it up, it was John in there playing guitar. And that's where we kind of become friends and we've been friends all these years. John and I were real good students at Bible College. We got 100% kids on every examination. John got 60% and I got 40%. Amen. But, but, it's, but it's real good to be here tonight. And we're celebrating, right? Amen. Brother Newberger, amen, and his family. We're celebrating. Amen. Now, do you like to celebrate? Man, I love to celebrate. Somebody will say, yee-haw, and I'll say, yoo-hoo, you know. Let's do it. How do you sign that? Amen. Well, anyhow, and uh, I, uh, I just love celebrations. I even celebrate celebrations. That's how much I love them. And uh, we're going to have a good celebration here for a few days, and we're going to honor God's Word and preach out of it. So if you would turn in your Bibles with us, please, to Acts chapter 9 and chapter 10. Now, I'm not going to preach everything in both chapters, but I'm going to preach a little bit out of both of them. And I hope it's a blessing to you. I just love to preach here because they've got a clock on the wall back there, but I can't tell what time it is. Amen? So, it's, I think it's uh, uh, 6.54. Is that it? 6.54? Chicago time, right? We're going to go by Chicago town tonight, so uh, I hope that you've come to... Spend a little time here and around God's Word tonight because I don't know about you, but I'm no hurry. I'm no hurry tonight at all. And if you uh, have to leave, if you have a have a uh, appointment or something, you have to leave. I will understand you won't insult me. But I want us to spend some time tonight in these two chapters. Now I'm looking forward to Brother Marshall's sermon tomorrow night. Been a great preacher all these years. Preached all over the place around the world one time. And uh, that's, a, that's a tremendous opportunity to preach the gospel around the world. Amen? And uh, so we're looking for this entire week. And Saturday night, wow. Are we going to have some Filipino food Saturday night? Has we got any Filipinos coming? How about, uh, how about uh, uh, some uh, good old-fashioned cornbread and beans and ham hocks. You like that? Anybody like that? I grew up on that. That, that raised a lot of Clayton kids. Uh, cornbread, beans, and ham hocks. And uh, we'll just have a real good time. Amen. And I always enjoy preaching to people around the table. I don't know whether it's harder to preach to people just before they eat or just after they eat. You preach to them before they eat, and all that smell of that food and everything, 
they look at you like you're a pork chop. But if you preach to them afterwards, they want to go to sleep. Now, I don't like people sleeping while I preach, right? Amen? I heard about the old grandpa that was always sleeping in church. And uh, when the preacher was preaching, he was sleeping. And he would snort a little bit when he would sleep. You ever hear anybody snort while they sleep? They say that I do, but I'm so sound asleep I can't hear myself. Amen. But uh, so they had a guest preacher come in, and they didn't want him sleeping and snorting while the guest preacher was preaching. So they got a little boy and gave him 50 cents to keep Grandpa awake while the guest preacher was preaching. 50 cents. Hey, that used to be a lot of money. We used to have a 50-cent piece. And uh, one coin worth 50 cents. I used to work all day out in the hayfield for one 50-cent piece coin. Well, when I got two of them in my pocket, they would jingle, and I was so proud of myself. And, uh, but give, they gave that little boy 50 cents, which was a lot of money for a little boy back then, to keep Grandpa awake. And he sat right down and said, Now you keep him awake if you have to pinch him or whatever you have to do to keep him awake. And uh, he sat down beside Grandpa and the preacher got up to preach. No Grandpa slept all during the sermon and snorted and everything else, you know. And after it was over with, they went to that little boy and said, Hey, we gave you 50 cents to keep Grandpa awake while the preacher was preaching. Why didn't you do it? He said, Because Grandpa... Grandpa gave me a dollar let him sleep. Amen? So, uh, if you go to sleep, we're going to charge you a dollar. Amen? All right, Acts chapter 9 and chapter 10. I'll just go to kind of down through some of the stuff in Acts chapter 9. Actually, chapter 8 speaks about Paul the Apostle, who was at that time Saul of Tarsus. And uh, he was a brutal, brutal uh, abuser of Christians. He abused them and arrested them and took them to a a Hitler-style slave camp where they abused the Christians and made them blaspheme God. And he tells about that in Acts chapter 26 in his confession of faith. But he was in charge of all that. And in Acts chapter 9, he's going to Damascus with license to arrest the Christians and drive them back like so many sheep back to Jerusalem to be abused and persecuted and killed. That's what he was doing. Now, if you want to see something like what they were doing to Christians, you Google up the Holocaust, Hitler's Holocaust, and you'll see it. Well, there's a lot of persecution going on today. I won't get involved in that, but that's what Paul the Apostle was doing. And he was going to Damascus from Jerusalem, And uh, he got up there on the road, and God spoke to him and saved his soul. And and Saul of Tarsus became God's preacher. Well, whenever that happened, he ended up going to Jerusalem and was really rejected and abused. And uh, because he, he actually joined the people that he once, once trying to destroy. And his old buddies that were with him... And all that persecution wanted to kill him. But anyhow, he gets saved in Acts chapter 8. And the Bible, I mean Acts chapter 9. And the Bible says that 
for a while here, uh, the Bible says that there was rest in verse 31. You got your Bible open? Okay, follow with me now. In verse 31, it said, Then the churches uh, rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. They had a little bit of a, a reprieve in some of this persecution. Well, when it happened, Peter left Jerusalem and he started down toward Joppa, which is actually north, but you'd say down because Jerusalem is in the mountains. And when you went out of Jerusalem, you had to go down. And he went down to Joppa. Now, Joppa is along the coast. There is no Joppa today because it's swallowed up in Tel Aviv, which is the largest city of Israel. Big modern city now, but Joppa was a little fisherman's town. And, uh, you know, it was a, probably a dirty little fisherman's town right along the coast uh, of uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And he went to Joppa. Well, there were some miracles happened along the way. And when he got to Joppa, there were some miracles happened. And the Bible says in verse 43, And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa in one Simon uh, a tanner. With one Simon the tanner. He went to Joppa and he went to the house of a tannery. Now let me tell you something about a tannery. A tannery stinks. I mean, there isn't anything stinks worse than tanning hides of animals. I know because where I grew up as a boy in Shelby County, in our county seat in Sydney, Ohio, there was a tannery. And Sydney kind of sits down in the valley, so the stink can't go very far. And they would, whenever they were tanning hides, in that tannery, I mean, the whole city of Sydney stunk. And people used to say, you know, Sydney stinks. And the reason why they said that, because it did stink. And he went to this house of this tanner, probably a very smelly place. It wasn't a big modern town. It was Joppa, the little fisherman's village. And when he got there to Joppa, he joined in the house of this Simon the tanner. And later we'll find out that he went up on the roof in this house, and there he met God. All right, now we're going to switch from Joppa and Simon Peter to somebody else. And that's chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea. Now, Caesarea at that time was about, oh, just uh, maybe uh, 35, 40 miles north of Joppa. But, oh, it was a different kind of a town altogether. Uh, down in Joppa, you know, the streets stunk a little bit and probably donkey-doo in the streets and, and the fishermen's market. They never do smell good. And uh, it was probably just a little hillbilly town of Joppa. But up there in Caesarea now, that's a different kind of a town. It was a headquarters for the Romans. And the Romans had a lot of money and they had a lot of power. And they set up this headquarters and called it Caesarea after Caesar. Honoring Caesar, they built this town. It was a big, nice, in that day, modern town. There's a lot of soldiers there. And uh, a lot of presence of, of people who would come uh, to Israel, which they called Palestine. They would come to Palestine from all over the world by ship, and they'd come to Caesarea 
I'm sure that there were some nice uh, motels there. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be motels in those days, but something like that. Nice places to eat. Nice places to sleep. Really a nice modern town. And there was a man in that town called Cornelius. Now we go from Peter to Cornelius. From Simon Tanner's house to, uh, in, in Joppa over to, Cor- uh, over to Caesarea. Among some of the real nice leading people of the Roman Empire. And they found him, uh, uh, there was a man there by the name of Cornelius. He was a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. Now that wasn't uh, a bunch of Italians playing musical instruments. That was a band of soldiers. And this Cornelius was in charge. Probably 600 soldiers. That was usually what a garrison of Roman soldiers would be. There was one that took care of Pilate and Antonia in Jerusalem, 600 soldiers. And probably, he had probably had under his command 600 soldiers. Some people say it was 100 because uh, the Bible talks about this Italian band and calls it uh, a centurion. It calls him a centurion. But anyhow, he was a man of char- in charge. Now, the Bible kind of runs down a description of this man, and I want you to see it. Now, I don't want to bore you at the beginning of this sermon. Anybody bored? Okay, you better hadn't be now, because if you do, I'll throw this glass of water at you. I never drink pulpit water, because the song leader spits in it when he's leading the songs. And sometimes I've seen a fly in it. And... Uh, if it's a bottle of Pepsi, then I drink it. <laughs> but uh, it's a water and it's in a glass. But uh, uh, there it is. I won't throw it at you. I'm just kidding. Hey, kids, I'm not going to throw it at you. All right. I'm not that mean. If I threw it at anybody, it'd be the, it would be some of these men. Amen. Wake them up. Anyhow. Okay, here's Cornelius. And the Bible describes him. It says in verse 2 of chapter 10, a devout man. Well, he's a man of strong devotions. I like him right away. Do you? I like a man that's devout. I like a man that's devoted to his family. I like a man that's devoted to his wife. And treats her like, a, like an equal or even a superior. I like that. That kind of a, that kind of a thing is kind of... Kind of not practiced by a lot of the young people today. Men will walk out in front of their wives and make them open their own car door. And, you know, uh, Pete was talking about my teams of workers. I've had a lot of them. By the way, Pete was the best one I ever had. Absolutely. And what he is and what he's done here, along with his wife, has, has shown it. Amen. Yeah, what God's done for them here in this city. But uh, I always taught my, my young men, now, when we go out to eat or something, you don't you sit down until all the ladies are seated. And get your hat off your head. And don't chomp while you eat. I mean, I'd, t- I'd tell them, you see that big old size 12 foot right there? You don't want that applied to your Western Hemisphere. You better behave yourself. All right? 
But uh, I like somebody that, do you like a devoted person? I do. A devout man. A devout Christian. A devout father. Uh, a devout leader. If there ever was a time when we need devout people, it's now. I get, I'll get preaching too long on this guy, but I don't want to stay there forever. He was a devout man. One that feared God. you see that? I like the idea that he feared God. The Bible says that's a beginning of knowledge, to fear God. In other words, you're just not very smart if you don't fear God. I mean, that's kind of dumb not to fear God. Amen? I mean, dumb, 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 right? He was a man that feared God with all of his house. He had influence on his house, his ham family, and he had taught them also to fear God. Now, that don't mean that he was afraid that God was going to strike him dead and feed him to the buzzards. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that he didn't want to disobey or dishonor the Lord. I feared my dad like that all of my life. I knew that dad wasn't going to abuse me. My dad was not an abusive man. Sometimes I thought he did with that razor strop he had. Dad had a piece of leather about that long and about that wide that he, that he whetted his razors on. You ever see them, the old style razor where they would... No, you don't know that. Anyhow, he kept that razor his sharp, and with that razor strop he kept us kids pretty sharp. And, but he didn't, and never abusive. But I didn't want to dishonor my dad. I didn't want to displease him. So I feared him. But he feared God. With all of his house, which gave much alms. He was a generous man. I mean, every time I think another thing about him, I like him more, don't you? I like generous people. God is a generous God. We talk about missions. Hey, listen, I know this church is a generous church. For all the missionary stuff that you support here. And we, I tell you, tonight I celebrate you in that. You're that way because your pastor's taught you to be. He's a generous man. I like generous people. Do you? I mean, are you following me here tonight? I'm working off a hired on this, and I want you to keep your attention. He was a generous man. All right. Not only was he generous, he gave much alms to the people, but he prayed to God always. He was a man of prayer. I would say that he was a home run, wouldn't you? I mean, he's up to bat. He feared God. That's first base. And he gave much alms to the people, second base. Or a devout man. That's first base. He feared God, second base. He gave much alms to the people, third base. And prayed to God always. I'd say he was a home run hitter. I like him. God liked him too. If you put in your life the ingredients of that verse, God will like you too. I want God to like me. I, I, want God, I don't want to be a grief to God or a grief to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, grieve not the Spirit. I want to be like this man Cornelius. He was an Italian. Now, every year we celebrate Columbus Day, don't we? Well, we ought to really celebrate Cornelius Day. 
He's a whole lot better Italian than Columbus was. Columbus was a, a traitor in slaves. Did you know that? Well, anyhow, we'll cover that some other day. But the Bible says, and he saw in verse 3, and he saw in a vision about, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius! I don't think God said, Cornelius. I think he said it real loud. Cornelius! Hey, if God called you by the first by your first name, buddy, you better move. Amen. God called him by his first name, Cornelius. And uh, I remember my mama used to call me for supper. I'd be out playing and I didn't have time to quit my game or whatever I was doing. Mama would say, Are they everybody called me Jinx when I was a kid. I thought that was my name. But uh, Mama would say, Larry, it's time to eat. I'd keep on playing. Pretty soon she'd say, Larry Clayton, get in here. I'd keep on playing. But when she said, Dennis, Larry Clayton, you better get in this house, buddy, I knew that my feet better do their stuff and get in there. Because Mama was calling me by my name. God calls him by his name. And he, uh, he says to Cornelius, through this angel that appears to him, when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. Okay, we're going to go back to Joppa. God says to Cornelius, Send some men down to Joppa. Because uh, I've got a man there whose name is Peter. In verse 6, he lodges with one Simon the Tanner. Simon Peter was at Simon's house. I'd call that Simon and Simon, wouldn't you? Anyhow, there he was down there. He said, go down, send some men down to Joppa and get Simon Peter and bring him up here. So in verse 7, I'm going to have to kind of rush along in some of this, because I could preach all day on every verse, but I won't. And so he sent some of his soldiers in verse 7, and devout men, and he sent them down to get Simon Peter, and down there at Joppa, the Bible says that uh, Simon Peter, I mean, on the next day, they went down and they found Simon Peter on the housetop in verse 9. He went up there to pray about the sixth hour. Well, now, Simon Peter goes up on the housetop. It don't stink up there as bad as it did down along the street. I'm trying to get your attention on this now. Up on the housetop, he could hear the waves. He could hear the seagulls. He was a fisherman. He liked the ocean, and he liked the water. So he was up there on that housetop. Well, if I was at Simon, Simon the Tanner's house, I'd probably be on the housetop, too. Because it smells better up there. It's cooler up there. He may have had a lazy boy up there. You like a lazy boy chair? Wow. I don't know how anybody gets along through life without a lazy boy chair. I love a lazy boy because I'm a lazy boy. But that's what Thomas or Peter was doing. He was up there on that housetop. And while he was up there on the housetop... In verse 11, he saw 
something out of heaven. And the Bible says, he's in, and saw heaven open and a certain vessel. Wow. A certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. He was up there on the housetop and he saw a UFO. And out of the heaven comes this vessel that looks like a sheet with the corners of it all knit together. Big bulging sheet with the corners together and out of the heaven down it comes to him. Wow. Wherein, in verse 12, were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air, it was full of all kind of bugaboos and yuckies. All kind, I guess probably in that bag was a possum, don't you? I don't particularly like possums, but they're all over this country. I bet you've got possums in New York City. They call them O-possum, but I just call them possum. I'm a farm boy. I call them possums. You know that thing you see wrote run over on the road once in a while, gray possum. I heard about two buzzards, John, over a possum on the road about to have their supper. One looked at the other one and said, you know, we ought to thank the Creator for this possum. This is our meal for today. We ought to thank the Creator for this possum. The other one looked at him and said, you mean God? He said, no, Henry Ford, he created the car that ran over the possum. And the other guy said, yes, but God made the possum, right? Anyhow, there were all kind of things in this sheet. There may be a snake in there. Anybody like snakes in here? Hold up your hand if you like a snake. Oh, there's some people like a snake. I never have liked snakes. I'm sorry. But um, I'm a little bit prejudiced against snakes. But anyhow, I got bit by a poison one right there one day. It almost killed me. But I, anyhow, there may have been a mouse in there. No lady likes a mouse in the house, huh? There's a mouse in the house, and whenever there's a mouse in the house, all kinds of things take place in the house. A woman wants to get a mouse. I mean, there's all, there may have been a roach in there. I was on Air France one time. I called it Air Chance. And they brought me a little salad for a little treat, and in it was a roach. And I said to the girl, I said, there's a bug in my salad. I knew she wouldn't know what roach meant, or the word roach. I said, there's a bug in my salad. She said, it's only a bug, sir. I said, yeah, but I don't like meat with my salad. She said, you want another I said, no, this roach is just fine, thank you. I don't need another one. You can have the whole thing. But anyhow, I've got to tell you this one. It's only 7 o'clock, somewhere in the world. And uh, Lois and I were over in the Philippines, and we were helping this missionary. Uh, and we were coming back into Manila about 2 o'clock in the morning, hot, out there at 2 o'clock in the morning, we was riding in this old van. Oh, it was an old van. And it caulked out on us at Sukkot on the highway. A town called Sukkot. Lois and I and the missionary and the, 
and, and another missionary with us had to push that thing up a hill, get it up on top of the hill so they could coast down to a church below where they were going to come the next day and fix it. We're going to catch a bus on into Manila. Going, I mean, I don't think we got there until it was time to get up. And then we went to bed. But anyhow, we pushed that thing up that hill. And when we got it up there and they coasted down, Lois and I sat down on a little, little place like a little restaurant. Not even half as big as this platform. A little restaurant. And it was open because uh, it was just right on the sidewalk. And uh, what the, that restaurant person had there was this little place where they would bring a little bit of rice and chicken and, and you'd, people that wanted to buy it would walk up there and sit down on a little stool and get a bowl of rice and uh, uh, some root, uh, pollo, a roscom pollo, and sit down there and they'd eat the roscom pollo. On the, they'd pay her a little bit of money for it, this lady that run the restaurant. We sat down on the stools and from across the street came a roach flying. Boy, that roach is big as a hummingbird. And here he came across that road and hit me right on the forehead like that and went right in my hair. Boy, I had the willies, I'm telling you. And me and that roach had a fist fight there, about right. And I got him out of my hair. He got away, but I got him out of there. So he, a, he found him a home. He was going to make a nest in my hair. And I had my hair all a mess, you know, fighting that roach. And I told Lois, I said, you know, I think I ought to just park this across and comb a little bit forward. and back. You know, you're getting a little bit bald. You start manipulating the hair. And I, I said, what, what if I just parted across from ear to ear, put a little bit of forward? I said, I wonder what it looked like. And she said, you look like a president. No. Anyhow, that roach, there may be a roach in that bag. And, the, and the, uh, the angel that was talking to him said to Peter in verse 18, kill and eat. You see it there, the last part of that verse 18? Oh, I'm sorry, 13. Kill and eat. And in verse 14, Peter said, not so, Lord, I ain't going to do it. Because I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And in verse 15, the voice spoke unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Peter said, I've never eaten any dirty stuff like that in my life. Why? Because the Jews had a custom. They wouldn't eat that stuff. And then Peter said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And God says, don't you call, don't you call what I've cleansed dirty, rotten junk. I'm going to make a little application real quick here. The Jews were an occupied country. Rome was occupying them. I've been in several occupied countries. The people were being occupied by a foreign foreign power. And I'll tell you something. Nobody in an occupied country wants to be occupied by a foreigner. Nobody. I was in Baghdad, Iraq, and all the Christians, even the Christians said to me, said, you know, Brother Clayton, the Americans can leave and let us have our own country 
without their con- control. I thought that was kind of funny since that dictator was a killer that ruled them before. But nobody wants... And the Jews did not like the Romans. They didn't like them. A Roman soldier had great authority and nobody dare bother a Roman soldier or you'd have your head chopped off or whatever they'd do to him. Crucify him. And so they said to all those dirty Romans. Until now, these Jews didn't like the Gentiles, of which most of us are here tonight. They even called them Gentile dogs. Because back in those days, people had pedigrees and dogs didn't. Today, dogs have pedigrees and people don't. And so they called the Gentiles dogs. And I'll tell you something. They were just prejudiced against those Romans and those Gentiles and occupiers of their country. So God wants to make an impression upon Peter here and the church at large from now on by saying... You know, don't you call these Gentiles common or unclean because I've got a plan for them. All the Christians called Paul the Apostle, who was Saul of Tarsus, who killed the Christians. They called him unclean and despised him until on the road to Damascus he gets saved and he starts to preach. Now he's one of them. It's awful easy for us to forget the value of a soul when we're a little bit prejudiced or where we're careless or we're very selective. It's easy to do that. Well, I don't like that guy. He's darker than I am. I don't like that guy because he speaks another language, barely speaks English. I don't like that because of this and because of that. You know, I've been in tribes already where they eat rats. Especially in Africa, they have a thing they call a raton, which is a, it looks like a beaver more than a rat, but they call it rat. And you could say, well, I don't like them people for what they eat, what they wear. Look at him, he's covered with tattoos. I don't want to have anything to do with him. You know, it's easy for us to discount the value of a soul because of some preconceived idea. But they're not valuable. Let me tell you something. Every person on this earth is valuable to God. No matter where they live. We've been in tribes of people in Africa where nobody in the whole tribe wore any clothes. That's a different kind of a culture and rules and etiquettes and everything else than any other part of the world. It's been awful easy for us to say, I don't like them dirty people. They never take a bath. They don't wear any clothes. Especially two tribes in Africa we were with. And their food was cow's milk. They did have cows, 
They thought that God gave them the cow and anybody else had had a cow stolen from them. But they'd take that cow's milk and they had a place on the cow's neck where they would stick a bamboo and the blood would come out and they'd mix that blood in that milk with cow urine. And it came out a little bit like, like pudding. And that was their main food. Now, it's easy for us to say, boy, I'd hate to have to live among them people. But there's missionaries there, and they're winning them to Christ. And every time somebody gets saved, without any instructions, right away they start putting on clothes. Isn't that something? Holy Spirit of God. You know, Peter says, no, I'm not going to eat anything common or unclean. God sends these men from a Roman leader. And God says, don't you do it. Look in verse 20. Boy, there's a whole nother sermon here. But he says to Peter, arise, therefore, and get thee down. He said, get up over your lazy boy. Get out of your zone of comfort and get down in the streets with these men because I've got a job for you to do. You know, it's so easy for us to get in a comfort zone and say, you know, I think I'll stay home tonight and watch the Yankees play Cleveland. Don't do that because they're going to get beat anyhow. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, I don't want to go to church because the Yankees are praying Cleveland. I don't want to go to church because my favorite television show is on. I don't want to go to church because, you know, I'm hot and tired and I just want to sit at home. <laughs> I don't want to tithe because if I tithe, it's going to take some money that otherwise I would spend on my entertainment. Boy, I'll tell you, one of the idols of Americans today is entertainment. That's why people got cell phones on all the time so they keep their mind occupied and keep it entertained 24 hours a day. God says, get down and get out in the streets. I've got some people out there that I want you to tell the story of redemption to. There's not a greater mission field on earth than New York City. People are in the streets everywhere. You might have a nice, clean, comfortable apartment. Sometimes God will say, get out of there. Go to church. Get out of there and talk to people about their souls. Get out of there and pass out tracts. God sometimes will say to you and me, I've got a job for you to do. There's a Cornelius out there just waiting for you. I'll ask you a question tonight. I probably should have asked you at the beginning. You have a Cornelius somewhere waiting for you? God's got a Cornelius waiting for every one of us somewhere. 
They're out there waiting. Sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you have to get out in the dirty streets. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it costs. Sometimes it's involvement. Sometimes you've got to argue and fight for the position you hold. But God's got a Cornelius somewhere that needs the message you have. Well, the story is that Peter did do do that. And he went with these men to the house of Cornelius. And when he got in there in verse 44, Cornelius fell down uh, and uh, going to worship him in 45. Uh, but Peter, Peter says, I'm just a man like you are. Get up. Get up, don't you try to worship me. Verse 44, and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Peter preached the gospel to these people. He went with them and went to their place of, uh, of comfort. He went to their own town. He went to their own place. And he had to leave his, his friends and his, uh, his care and his comfort to go with them to a foreign place. For he gave them the gospel. You know what the Bible says happened? The Bible says in verse 44, that's what I was looking at. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And in verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized. All of them got saved, and they all got baptized into a local church for God. You know, my friend, We're talking about missions this week as we celebrate 25 years of successful ministry. And I don't know of any portion of Scripture that's a better example than Simon Peter in Joppa, Cornelius in Caesarea, and their meeting, and the message Peter preaches. It's a great message. It's it's verse number 40, uh, 33, 34, 35, and 36. Peter preaches the gospel to them, and the Holy Ghost of God fell upon them, and they get saved and baptized. I just want to say to you two things, and then I'm going to close. One is, there's a Cornelius waiting somewhere for all of us. I preached in the Amazon jungle in 1967 to a tribe of people that were very pagan. We would not have lived to get out of that tribe, but we had two of the chief's sons with us. That's the way we got in. And I preached the gospel there, and through that great crowd of people, I couldn't see, because it was getting dark, I couldn't see the end of the people standing there in that village. There's so many of them. Through the crowd came a man walking up there and he said you know all of my life I wanted to know what you said tonight I've been praying that God would tell me about him I don't know God you have a name for your God but we don't have any names for our God and our God is not a good God 
We know that our God doesn't love us. He demands all kinds of things from us that are very valuable to us that we have to sacrifice to Him. Anybody said, I'm going to accept your God tonight because your God is a God of love. He said, I didn't know God had a son, but why wouldn't God have a son? I've got a son. God, it's not strange that God would have a son. He said, all of my life I've wanted to know this, and I've been praying for it. And tonight I want to become a crente. That's a believer. I want to become a crente. And that night we led that man to the Lord. He was our Cornelius. For years he'd been praying. For years he'd been waiting. For years he'd been crying out to God. He didn't even know God's name. And he comes and gets saved. That's happened to me repeatedly times in mission fields around the world where I'd meet people that was waiting and waiting and waiting for a message. Somewhere in this town, in your family, in your, among your acquaintances, there's a Cornelius. And he's waiting on you. Or she's waiting on you. To give him or her a message of redemption and hope. A love. An invitation to the church. A gospel track. A prayer. They're waiting on you. And the last thing I've got to say is, for every one of us that needs the message, God's got a Simon Peter waiting for you here tonight. We've got a message for you tonight. Individual, permanent message. A very personal message to you tonight about Jesus saves and He transforms lives and He satisfies and He loves every one of us. No matter what we've done, where we've been, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want to ask you a couple questions tonight before I pray. This is the most important part of the entire service tonight. So I beg you to give me your attention. I want you to think a few minutes tonight. Answer, if you would please, my questions. How many would say here tonight... Preacher, I've got a Cornelius that I'm working with right now. Somebody that I'm praying with, I'm talking to, I'm praying for. Might be somebody you work with. It may be somebody living on your block. It may be a member of your family. Say, Brother Clayton, I've got a Cornelius right now that I'm trying to win. Would you slip up your hand? How many in the audience? Hold it way up high. You should be proud of that. God bless you. I wonder how many here tonight will say, Preacher, I don't have a Cornelius. I never have had anybody that I'm working with. You know what I'm saying tonight? I'm saying that every one of us need to be missionaries to the people around us, the ones we know. 
How many would say, preacher, I've never had a Cornelius. I've never been working with other people, but I want to. And I want you to pray for me tonight. Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. How many others? Come on. Yes, God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. Someone maybe more important to you than life itself, and you want to see that person saved. Say, preacher, that's my Cornelius. Please pray with me about that. Someone else, slip up your hand tonight. Yes. God bless you. Several hands here tonight. Thank the Lord. God bless us. Let me ask you this tonight. How many would say, preacher, I am that Cornelius? I need the message of God. I need the touch of God. I don't know where I would go if I died tonight, preacher. But I want to go to heaven, preacher. Please pray for me tonight. Would you slip up your hands? How many in the audience? Pray for me. I'm not sure that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure of that, preacher. I want to be sure. Hold your hand up tonight. Okay, let's stand together as we pray, please. I'd like for you to play uh, 470. We'll turn there later. Not right now, but we'll turn there later. I have decided to follow Jesus. I love this whole song. We'll sing it all together here tonight. But before I sing, I, I would like to pray. I'm going to invite you. Raise your hands a minute ago. I'm going to invite you to come down and pray with me. Just slip out of your seat and come down and pray with me tonight. Let's, let's fill this up here tonight with people praying. A lot of hands raised here tonight. You've got somebody that you're really concerned about. Deeply concerned about. Come and bring their name here to this altar. Come and bring your prayer here to this altar tonight. Just slip out and come right now. Just come on. Pray with me.